Good morning. Welcome to worship at First United Methodist Church in Martinsville, Virginia. We are glad you are here. Let us prepare our hearts and minds to worship God. Let us join together in our call to worship. Almighty God, light from light, who commands the universe and all that is made, your word is the power that makes whole what is broken, the force of good and the food of peace. Teach us now as you taught in the synagogue. Heal us now so that in all we say and do, the freedom we have in you may be for others too. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. pray responsively our opening prayer. We pray to the Lord. In faith we pray. We pray to you, our God, that the rest of this day may be holy, peaceful, and full of your presence. In faith we pray. We pray to you, our God, 
that the work we have done and the people we have met today may bring us closer to you. In faith we pray. We pray to you, our God, that we may hear and respond to your call to peace and justice. In faith we pray. We pray to you, our God, that you will sustain the faith and hope of those who are lonely, oppressed, and anxious. In faith we pray. We pray to you, our God, that you will strengthen us in your service and fill our hearts with longing for your kingdom. In faith we pray. We pray to you, our God. Amen. I'd like to ask for the attention of the children for children's time. Today I wanted to talk about name calling. Has anyone ever called you a name? Have you ever been called a name while you were on the bus or at school? I can remember some of the names that people used to call uh, others on the bus and at school when I was little. They'd tell people they were ugly or they were stupid or they were goofy. Um, horrible things. Things that, that tell people things about themselves that are mean and untrue. Nobody who loves somebody would ever say those things. And, and yet, you know, sometimes when people call us a name, that word stays in our memory for a long time and, and can cause us a lot of self-doubt and you know, wondering, is that true? I think that uh, one of the more harmful things and are not necessarily the words that come from outside of us that somebody calls us, but maybe some of the words that are inside of us, things that we tell ourselves that aren't true. We might tell ourselves we're not good at something, for example, when we really don't know that. We really haven't explored to find out, you know, if we have any talent for that at all. One of my friends is a math tutor, and it's not unusual for uh, students to come to her and say, I'm not good at math. I'm not good at math. I can't do math. And, and she will ask them why they think that. And they will tell her, well, you know, I was trying to do this algebra problem and I messed it up. I didn't understand it. I didn't get the right answer. And I didn't know how to get the right answer. And she always says to them, well, you know, sometimes we mispronounce words. Does that mean we stop talking altogether? Well, I did that wrong. I'm not going to talk anymore. Of course not. We learn the right pronunciation and we go on. Um, and so she tells students that so that they will just try again and realize that, that math is a skill set and we can all get back on the path of understanding math. When I was in seminary, when I was in school to become a pastor, every Friday night I used to babysit for this wonderful family in Atlanta and uh, they had two daughters and a son and we always used to do craft projects and art projects and, um, and I just thought the children were so inventive and so creative and, and just did a wonderful job with their drawing and their painting and all the colors they used and, 
after I graduated and, and, and went off to become a pastor, I went back uh, about six years later to visit this family. And I was horrified that one of the, the little girls announced when, when I said, well, let's do an art project, that she wasn't good at art. She said, well, I, I'm, I'm not creative. I'm not good at drawing. And I thought to myself, you're great at that. I, I remember when six years ago, you were tiny, you were four, and you were just the most wonderful artist. And yet somebody had, had told her that she wasn't good at drawing, and she had taken that message into herself and decided that she wasn't artistic. She wasn't a good artist. She wasn't a good painter. She wasn't good at drawing, when in fact she had been good at all of those things. Well, Jesus told us that he loved us, and he said that he came to help us live our lives abundantly, to live to the fullest, and to know that in that process that it, of expanding our abilities and, 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 and sharing his love in the world, that he would always be with us and would always help us to get better at that. Um, because he wants us to have, have full and wonderful lives. It's hard to do that if we're feeding ourselves messages that we're not good at this or we're never going to change or, or no one likes us or um, any of those things that sometimes we tell ourselves that are just not true. One of my friends, when she was in seventh grade, she was in a play at church and somebody said, you're so brave. Aren't you nervous you're going to mess up? And she said, you know, if I do, that'll be okay because I'll be at church. And and, and this, this, this congregation is my family. And when I mess up, I'm forgiven. And when I try, people will encourage me. And, and that really is what the church is called to do. We are called to embrace Jesus's abundance, his, 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 his want for our lives to be full and wonderful. And to surround us, to be a, a place, the church should be a place that, that surrounds us with that message, that allows us to try new things without being afraid that we'll fail, to know that we're forgiven if we mess up, to know that we are loved even when, you know, we might be hard to love or we might feel unlovable. The church is a place where, where we can feel loved and forgiven and encouraged. That's not just a message for us, it's a message for us to embody for others, to show others that, that they are forgiven, they are loved, to encourage them, because that's what Jesus would have us to do. So whenever you send yourself some of those messages that don't help you live the full life Jesus wanted you to live, remember that those messages are probably not true. Listen to Jesus' message for you, that he wants you to grow in love and service to others, and that he will be with you through that, encouraging you and giving you the gifts you need to do that. Thanks for being here today. I'll see you next week. As we prepare to hear the words of Holy Scripture, let us pray. Holy Spirit, 
your people call out for understanding. Bring to our yearning hearts and minds the truth of your word, for we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Our Old Testament lesson this morning is Psalm 111, a psalm of praise. Praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart in the company of the upright in the congregation. Great are the works of the Lord studied by all who delight in them. Full of honor and majesty is his work and his righteousness endures forever. He has gained renown by his wonderful deeds. The Lord is gracious and merciful. He provides food for those who fear him. He is ever mindful of his covenant. He has shown his people the power of his works in giving them the heritage of the nations. The works of his hands are faithful and just. All his precepts are trustworthy. They are established forever and ever to be performed with faithfulness and uprightness. He sent redemption to his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding. His praise endures forever. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Our gospel lesson this morning is found in the first chapter of Mark's gospel, beginning with the 21st verse. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, he entered the synagogue and taught. They were astounded at his teaching, for he taught as one having authority, not as one of the scribes. Just then there was in the synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying with a loud voice, came out of him. They were amazed and kept asking one another, What is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. At once, his fame began to spread throughout the surrounding region of Galilee. This is the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. Amen. Our scripture lesson this morning is a scripture lesson that tends to, to cause people to stumble. Um, we hear about unclean spirits right in the middle of a, the scripture lesson for this morning, the gospel lesson. Uh, that is how they are referred to in the New Revised Standard Version of the Bible. In other translations, uh, the word demon is used, and that's just not a word that comes up very often uh, for us in our modern era. We, um, we don't hear about 
demons or unclean spirits. We don't talk about them in church. We tend not to talk about them at all unless uh, we're talking perhaps about a horror movie or something. And yet there they are, demons, unclean spirits, right in the middle of the gospel lesson. So how are we supposed to make sense out of this text? Many people stumble over the phrasing in scripture and, and they write off the texts where unclean spirits or demons are mentioned, figuring that in Jesus's day, people just didn't know how to describe what was going on with people whose behavior didn't make sense to them or, or perhaps when they encountered evil and suffering that eclipsed their ability to understand. So I hope to reframe this language about unclean spirits or demons today. In New Testament times, though, um, demons were something people just thought were. Uh, they were believed to be little creatures that somehow got inside of you and messed you up whenever you were weak or not watching carefully. These little creatures would possess you and put you in bondage to them, taking over life the way that we kind of think that viruses do perhaps today. They were destructive. They kind of steered the ship toward the rocks, destroying community and, and making individual lives unmanageable. So you can understand why the congregation of Marx that first heard this story uh, desperately needed to know that Jesus had power over these demons or unclean spirits. In this story and in all of the texts that mention unclean spirits, it is, it is they who first acknowledge Jesus, calling him by name even before the religious people do. The demons call him the Holy One of God. But Jesus, recognizing them for what they are, refuses to have anything to do with them commanding them to stop their destruction and leave their host. And they do so, convulsing the person who is possessed, but finally going away. So how do we come to terms with that kind of imagery and that kind of language in today's world? What do we do with terminology that is no longer meaningful anymore? How can we understand what the first century world was seeing and what they were trying to describe with this language and this imagery? I used to think about demons or unclean spirits as, as those forces that cause suffering. And, and I still do, but I have to think about what it is that gets inside of us and messes up our our operating systems in order for that to happen. Somewhere along the line, some preacher or commentator talked about illusions to describe what we are seeing when we encounter this language in scripture. And I really, I really like that. I, um, I like that it's illusion, it's not delusion, it's not mental illness, but illusion. Illusion are the stories, illusions are the stories that we tell ourselves uh, about ourselves and about the world that simply aren't true. These stories are, are lies. I mean, we may not know that they're lies when we're telling them to ourselves, but 
we believe them to be the truth. And that's why they mess us up. That's why they cause us problems. It takes someone from outside of ourselves to confront us with the truth, uh, to free us from these stories which do not correspond to reality at all. But because I tell myself these stories, I have blinders on, sometimes for a moment and sometimes forever. They affect how I think of myself and about my relationships. Now, Jesus said that he came that we might have life and have it abundantly. And these stories, these illusions, rob us of the fullness of life and also diminish or destroy our community with others. These stories can be stories like, I'm no good to anybody. Take that little story and let that take hold inside of you. It can cut you off from others. It can cut you off from God. It may drive you to violence or destruction, but it is not true. God called his creation good. Nobody is no good. The Holy One of God comes in and says, enough of that story. I have more in store for you. And if I allow myself to hear that truth, perhaps I can find the path back toward the abundant life that Christ has in mind for me. There are lots of other illusions, other little stories, little lies that we can allow to possess us. Here's one that I hear a lot. I don't need any help. I can quit such and such anytime I want. Or I am not good at fill in the blank, math, balancing my checkbook, whatever. Or I can never change fill in the blank about myself. These illusions make us victims. They convince us that we are powerless and they urge us to accept things just as they are. There are thousands, thousands of illusions which can possess us when we are weak and not watching, and they can take away the fullness of our lives and destroy our true community and hold us captive. These little demons, these little illusions are everywhere. There are even stories that we as a culture tell ourselves that possess our society, that destroy our community within our culture, that make our collective lives unmanageable. Think of any place in the world where there is suffering, where there is war, where there is genocide, and you can find the collective power of these lies, whether they deny the humanity of others or simply assert that affluence and poverty are not related or that the rights of, of one group of people are not related to those of, of others. I can remember when, when my family lived abroad visiting the Berlin Wall, for example, when that was still standing. And I remember visiting the museum at Checkpoint Charlie, and I remember seeing the guards that were in the towers along the wall, and I remember their formidable weapons, and I remember thinking, this will never, this will never change. And yet it did. I also remember the terrible system of apartheid in South Africa, one group that had 
all of the money and all of the power and the might of the military and the police and another group without any of those things having to endure unimaginable suffering. And I, and I thought, this will never change. And yet it did. Illusions are powerful things, individually and collectively, and they can convulse us with hopelessness, with despair, with prejudice, and with helplessness. They take our choices away. They rob our lives of fullness, individually and collectively. They try to put out the light. How do they come to be a part of us? Well, I suppose that that answer is different for everyone. But in today's gospel text, Jesus comes along and simply names these illusions for what they are, untrue. Try to think of some of the illusions in your own life, the way you tell yourself no before you tell yourself yes, the places in your life where you live with hopelessness, with despair, with helplessness. Would God say any of those things to you? God has been searching us out individually and collectively throughout our history with him. Think about the words of the prophets. Sometimes they were hard to hear, but they were meant to call us back into relationship with God, back to the fullness of life that God intended for the entire culture as well as the individuals within it. Think of Jesus' words. They don't just call us to, to live unchanged, with that, that that leads us away from living the full and abundant lives that God has in mind for us. I came that you may have life and have it abundantly. The story comes to us in the season of epiphany, the season of light. And perhaps that is because we are called as the body of Christ in the world to share that light, to search diligently for the truth, no matter where it leads, but never assuming that we have it all. We are called to speak the truth that we have to each other and to society at large in love. We are called to use what we know of God's love for us and for all of humanity to shatter the illusions, to allow God's grace and God's truth to set us and to set all others free. Thanks be to God. Amen. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Not be all else to me, say that thou my love.
hands empty praise Thou mine inheritance now and always Thou and Thou only first in my heart High King of Heaven my treasure Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come again to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And now, with the boldness of children of God, let us pray as our Lord has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Oh, yeah. 
to shatter the illusions that lead us to lead smaller lives than we are called to lead. Jesus comes to us offering healing and hope, speaking and acting with authority. Listen to him. Go into the world confident in God's love and healing power. Go in peace, and may God's love and peace always be with you. Amen. <laughs>